Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest of And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, bumping you back to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Gogi Keith's film pick of the week from 2021, 616 Wilford Lane, not to be confused by 616 Wilford Brimley Lane, which is a documentary about diabetes that I found out about. Very cool. But it's directed by David S. Allen and Dante Yor. So we're going to be discussing. We're going to be discussing that a little bit. It was a mind-opening, uh, mind-revealing uh, documentary. I was like, "This isn't a horror movie." And I was like, "Oh nope, it's Wilford Brimley Lane." That's the problem, you know. So, corrected myself. Watched the right movie, so we could discuss it later on the show. But as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Googie Keith. Oh, thank goodness! You know, I mean, of course, uh, nothing says wonderful like fucking film picks, like that one. Um, diabetes uh, documentary probably would have been better. Um, hi, and welcome to, to Talking Terror. Yes, it was a, definitely an interesting uh, documentary. It was all about Wilford Brimley yelling at dogs for an hour and then talking about diabetes. He was confused. He didn't know where he was, but it was nice. You know, the same in the later part of his life. Remember when I was in Cocoon? Yes, I do. That was a fun one. Mm-hmm. There was a part two as well. You got a part two out of there, big guy. I was in the thing as well. I know, Wilford. I know. You're a great actor. Do you have a minute to talk about diabetes? No. I got to go. It's getting late. Got to go home. Uh, man. Uh, I was Whoa, in the man. battle for Endor. That I was. That I was. <laughs> God damn it. You got to stop taking that little girl and giving her food. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that was Wilford Brimley's best fucking role ever, man. Just a grumpy old man fucking with a little rat creature. Yep. Gotta love Star Wars. I just, he was always old. He was always old. <laughs> I was like, even when he was oh. young, he was old. Like, he, just, he, <laughs> he was the only person I ever saw act where I'm like, he's just always old. <laughs> he never played like a young strapping guy on a boat or something like that. No, no. The funny thing is, is I'll always remember him as, you know, with that big mustache and that, that, that Wilfred Brimley look that, that we all know. So seeing him in The Thing was like kind of eye-opening, like, oh, shit. Like, you know, and I'd seen that before. No mustache. I'd seen, it, I'd seen him in it and never even realized that was him until, like, watching <laughs> it with, like, the knowledge that that was him. Because otherwise I would have I never been able to tell you that was Wilfred Brimley. Because without that stash, he I shaved his stash. No, but he sounds exactly the same. Like, he sounds like a Midwesterner that would tell you a lot about oatmeal if you had, like, 15 minutes of your time. Like, you know what? You got to go with the brown sugar. You know, I prefer the apple cinnamon, but, you know, uh, you got to go with what your gut says. And if you want to go with the apple, go with the apple. Like, he would just know. And I'd be like, wow, like, he knows a lot about oatmeal. I could trust this guy. <laughs> his voice has always seemed like he should just be eating Quaker oats all day long. Nothing but Quaker oats. Heart, That's why, you know, heart healthy, about you know what I mean? That's right. 
because he was fighting diabetes his whole life. So, I mean, there you go. But uh, we're also joined by the psychotic. So, I mean, the Prince Memoir is there. Yeah, let's get fucking with the Mad Monkey. Oh, yeah, five pants. It's time for everybody's favorite horror podcast. Talking terror time, baby. Your go-to podcast for horror news, movie reviews. Where every Wednesday night we are coming at you live from 9 to 11 p.m. But if you can't catch us live, well, tough shit. No, wait until you get to any of our back episodes on Blog Talk, Spotify, and iTunes. While you're at it, baby, make sure to like and subscribe to Talking Terror on both Facebook and Instagram. What's up, my bright family? And of course, we are welcoming back the very stupid, very educated, the demonic dean, everybody. Give it up. Yeah. Please send me all of the accolades for my uh, return uh, to this evening's edition of Talking Terror. Um, I've had to miss a few, but now I'm back, and we are all ready to talk about tonight's feature film. How exciting. How exciting. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. We're going to get through it. We're going to talk about it the only way we know how, which is this riff on it, uh, of course. But yes, uh, Dean, you are back. Um, been gone a little bit. Uh, last week, we, we talked about some things with you not here, but I wanted to, to bend your ear about a couple things, including Scream 6 and Creed 3. So if you want to talk about those experiences, I would love to hear it, because last week we talked about Scream 6, but we didn't have your input. So what would you think, both movies? Third input. Mm-hmm. You bring up some good points. Thank, thank you, Dean. Thank you. Your review, as always, are fucking phenomenal. I did not think of it that way, but I, I appreciate your thoughts. Like, that was really hard, though. Man, that's fucking, fucking deep, man. Wow. I mean, I didn't expect him to spoil the movie. But he did, and uh, all right, well, that's fine. Uh, I guess he's gone. If he was feeling like revealing that, I mean, I don't think he should have revealed that, but he totally revealed it. But, you know, hey, he's gonna, Dean's going to do what a Dean's going to do. Yeah. I, I guess yeah. he's going to be like it the was, game uh, when he says, you know, no spoilers. <laughs> yeah. It was a brave move. Exactly. Yes, there he is. Okay. He is back. Yeah, to get your thoughts together. <laughs> I understand. So, two movies, two thoughts. What do you think about Scream 6 and Creed 3, sir? Um, you know, Scream 6, all things being fair and equal, like, it's not my favorite franchise in general. Um, I've never Mm -hmm. even actually seen the fourth one. Uh, so I probably wouldn't have even seen the fifth one if we didn't cover it for the show a year ago. And, you know, when the fifth one came out, there was, there was like a little bit of buzz, like this returns it to whatever. And we watched it for the show and it was entertaining. And, you know, then, uh, just some circumstances aligned that Thursday evening that I went to like the preview night and, and saw it. And uh, just like I think about the series, like it was just very like, sure. There was some entertaining stuff. Um, there, a, a whole portion of things in, in the back half that were just like absurdly, like not possible, like at all. Um, and just mm-hmm. c- contrived, contrived, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Contrived plot occurrences and, uh, you know, like, it's a screen movie, so all of those things are to be expected. So, like, whatever. Like, I saw it in the theater. Like, I enjoyed my experience. Will I watch it again? Probably not. Um, you know, so, you know, I don't have uh, such deep thoughts about it. Um, I, I rolled my eyes several times 
Um, mm-hmm. I chuckled several times. Like, there was, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but like I said, the Scream franchise in general is just not my favorite franchise. Understood. And you know, I, I went on a rant myself last week about it. You can listen to it in this week's episode. It was, yeah, so I'm over it <laughs> since we talked about it. But all right, Creed Three. This is the one. You know, the, the third film in the franchise. Uh, what were your, what were your thoughts about it? I know you're looking forward to this one, so I really was excited. Yeah, to hear look, what you think I'm, about I'm, I'm all in. Uh, you know, I I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, and like all of the. Um, all of the films in the series going back to the original film, my, 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 my thoughts about them, my thoughts about particular sequences or characters, uh, you know, are constantly like evolving and changing and all like all for the better and all for, for the positive. And I thought, wow. Again, it's great. Uh, oh, man. That was a stunning review. <laughs> It was heartfelt. It was poignant. Makes me definitely want to check out Craig 3. Uh, wow. You know, I didn't think about it that way, but he just made it a wow. whole different movie for me now. I'm really excited. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. Nelson thinks it's cool. Wow. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Uh, it's incredible, Dean. Incredible. That was just what I needed it, to hear. Now I'm all in for Craig 3. Incredible. Incredible. There you go. To, to really be make part the, four. To make it punny. Creed four. <laughs> incredible. This time it's personal. I don't know why, but it is. <laughs> Somehow you have to make it personal. But so I guess uh, Dean is having some technical issues. Hopefully he figures it out. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, when he joins us back, we'll let the uh, move on, but anyway, uh, Dean is the one that sent me on a fucking rocky adventure uh, after his thoughts about uh, Creed and Creed Two. Uh, I know we had talked to you about this, uh, Ghoul. How you're like, oh, you should check him out, definitely. And I'm like, yeah, all right. But like, he made a compelling yeah, argument a couple weeks you ba- ago. You basically told me to go fuck myself. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, he said it, and you're all fucking, you're all dick sucking on it. You're like, oh yeah, man, I'm gonna suck the fucking tea to Rocky now. Mm-hmm. I get you, man. It's I feel because you. of so how, good. yeah, it was. It was just how <laughs> heartfelt it really was. He was just like, I love this series. Like he was just so passionate about Rocky, and I'm like, man, I didn't. Like, wow, okay, I'll, I'll have to, to to go in order and and check them out. And man, I'm Rockied out. Like I I literally watched Rocky Balboa, Creed one, Creed two, and then the the director's cut of uh, Part four, which I don't know if you saw, uh, Ghoul, but yeah. it's now my preferred version. Yeah, but you're weird that way. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Listen, Rocky <laughs> Four, for all of its faults, you know, is it is a almost perfect action movie. You know, it's 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 Back. fast. Mm-hmm. It's it's it's, mm-hmm. it's it's you know, it's got the the right pace for the fighting. And at the time that it came out, it was fucking, it was, it was the ultimate in fucking nationalism, you know, Rocky fucking Balboa, commie bastard, you know, and and if, and if they could change and he could change, we all could change, you know, and and I was good with that then, you know, and, and I've watched, I've watched the director's cut, you know, multiple times, I even watched it. You know, yeah. this time what I did was, is I watched Creed, before going to see Creed 3 in the theater, I watched Creed, I watched uh, that cut of, of Rocky 4, I watched Creed 2, 
And then I went to go see Creed 3, you know? And, and I will not say that that new cut is my preferred way of seeing Rocky 4. I still feel like the original cut is, is the best cut, but I do see the merits in that new version. Yeah. There, there was a lot that I liked about it, and no fucking robot. Stallone got rid of it. I was like, yes, like, no more fucking happy oh, birthday, Polly. It's no, gone. Okay, yeah, Polly can't get laid. So that's it. Polly gets no sex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, at least he had the fucking just, sex spot. Yeah, well, now he's not, so now he could just eat ice cream and bits better. But, no, I, I also like the fact that they opened it up with the six minutes, you know, of the fight between Cobra Lang, both fights. I thought that was great. Like, it was just a, a lot of good stuff, you know, that I thought made it better. Um, they, they, at least they included the montage. You know, there's no easy way out. Yeah. He's fucking going over things that happened two minutes ago. Well, you know, King, and King, we messaged about this a little bit, uh, you know, last week when you were gearing up to watch this and we were talking about the director's cut. And, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I got cut off and I didn't hear all of the ghoul's comments, but I heard the tail end of what he was saying. And I kind of agree with that. Like, when, when Rocky when Rocky Four came out, like I think I was nine, maybe ten, and like that it like was just the most absurd, like high energy, uh entertaining experience. Um mm-hmm. the the like Drago was, was absurd larger than life. It had the entire, you know, America versus Russia thing going on, which yeah. we were seeing in so many different areas of like entertainment around that time. Uh, so, so, so this worked into that angle also. And yes, uh, the music, uh, you know, of course, when you listen to so much of that soundtrack, um, you know, it sounds so dated and there's a lot of synthesizers and everything in a lot of it. But like at the time, like the music was like younger and more exciting. Um, and, uh, but really, if you think about it, it's, the movie is like three long montage, like three long montages with like a couple of lines of dialogue mixed in between mm-hmm. them. Uh, now, with that being said, I fucking love it with every ounce of my being. And I have been saying since seeing Creed two for the first time, and you know, the ghoul and I have talked about this uh, at length uh, numerous times. Uh, I'm sure he'll back me up when I'll say that like Creed two, like totally recontextualizes Rocky for the original cut and like makes it like it's a better movie than it actually is, um, given the events of Creed 2. Now, I think yeah. that what, and this is just my own personal thoughts as far as the director's cut for Rocky 4, I really thought was an interesting experiment because when Stallone kind of re, was able to rebirth the Rocky series with Rocky Balboa, which then, you know, after, you know, after that, after a while, like, evolved into the Creed series, like Rocky Balboa took it back to a more uh, like human story, like a more, more drama than over the top action. And that carried over into, into Creed, uh, which is also like more of a serious movie and, you know, to a lesser extent Creed two, but they all carry that same kind of city inner, like kind of gritty, like more realistic vibe, not the fight scenes, but like the drama and the relationships. And I think that that's what Stallone was going for with the recon- the reconstruction of Rocky four and using all of the, the footage that hadn't been used before and just, you know, making it like a little bit, trying to make it a little bit more of, of a serious vibe than, than the original theatrical release, because like the theatrical release of all of the movies in the series is truly like a live action cartoon. Um, but, oh, yeah. uh, 
you know, but but with that being said, like it was a really to to all this time later to to work on this this project and and like and change like big swaths of it and put in new sequences that had never been seen before. It's not like the director's cut where like, oh, the theatrical cut was, you know, 104 minutes and stay tuned for the director's cut DVD, which is 106 minutes with just a couple of things dropped in here and there. There's parts of it where it makes that make it a totally different movie. So, uh, you know, both of them, I think, have a place on the shelf. Uh, but given the time and experience in, in for me personally, in my history of life with this franchise, like it can't like it can't, it's not going to eclipse what what the original Rocky Four is, but it's an interesting companion piece. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it, it. and I also forget job of humanizing Drago. You know, you know that yes, that is the yeah. biggest thing. Is it gives the character more purpose, but like like you said, being uh, Creed Two does that as well. You know, so so going back kind of just gives it more of a supplement towards Creed Two than it does in the in the in the Rocky series as a whole. You know, you kind of you kind of went away from humanizing your villains in in Rocky, even with three. You know, Clubber Lang mm-hmm. kind of just comes off as just an angry, jealous, just pure rage, pure rage that just oh, wants yeah. yep. you know wants yeah. what Rocky had. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and yeah, and again, I, I definitely look forward to to there being a point when we will uh, we will undoubtedly get to to get into a deeper discussion on the uh, Creed series as a whole, uh, Creed three especially. But uh, yeah. I'll be there for that if you guys want to do an episode. Love to do it. So I think we should you know, try to schedule that up. In perhaps we will. Perhaps, so, perhaps. Um, yeah, I just, I honestly, like, I enjoyed the director's cut, but I honestly just forgot about how fucking amazing the entrance was for Apollo Creed in, in Rocky mm-hmm. IV when he's facing off against Drago, because you have Drago coming up on the ring. It's rising from the rafters. He's like, what the fuck is happening? And then all of a sudden, James Brown shows up, and he just belts out living in America, and there's Apollo Creed fucking dancing around. Like, Everybody's looking at each other like, what the fuck? And he's just like, I want you! I want you! And everybody's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, James, James Brown is here? Like, everybody's looking at each other like they don't understand, but fucking Apollo Creed's eating it up. He's dancing, yeah. dancing around well, James Brown. Like, I just yeah. loved it. I was like, oh, God, this is so yeah. great. And it ties back, if you remember, uh, it, of course, James Brown wasn't there and there was not a whole musical number. But, like, that's what I mean about Rocky Four being, like, a series of montages with some dialogue yeah. in between. Like, you have a fucking straight-up musical number. Like, they had James Brown perform the entire fucking song with the band and dancers and <laughs> choreography and even dropping down to his knee and having the guy come out and wrap the robe around James Brown to, like, help him off the stage. Like, it was the whole James <laughs> Brown thing. But if you go back to the original Rocky film, uh, you know, Creed came down to the arena, like, being carried out like he was a, a colonial... Yeah. Uh, president and yeah, had on yeah. the Washington like wig and was throwing throwing mm-hmm. money to the crowd with the top hat and mm-hmm. got out and did the whole I want you yep. I want you did all of that in the first Rocky <laughs> in Rocky two it was all business like there was no there oh, was yeah. nothing uh, it was all business in fact it's interesting I just read this somewhere and I don't think I ever even noticed it that Apollo Creed's character in the second Rocky doesn't smile one time the entire movie uh, at all even close he is all hmm. business that whole movie but. You know, uh, you know, three, he's like kind of like the unsettled, retired and, you know, trains Rocky. But then Rocky four, like he's back to that showman that he always was before his first fight with Rocky. So, um, you know, also having been retired for several years and, 
you know, maybe be trained for the fight, but not seriously, of course, and in no condition to go up oh, against a superior oh, opponent like Ivan Drago at that point. It was, supposed to be an, it was supposed to be an exhibition, exhibition. Know, for, for all yep. intents and purposes. It's not supposed to be necessarily a serious fight. So, so yeah, putting on that show, you know, I mean, Apollo Creed was always meant to kind of represent that Muhammad Ali, you know, that gorgeous George character. I mean, that's who Muhammad Ali mm-hmm. You know, based his entire persona off of, you know, so it was all about like, listen, I am too pretty to be doing this. You know, there's nobody that's better than me. I am faster than you. I am stronger than you. I am better than you in every single way. And that was Apollo's show, just like, again, it was Muhammad Ali's show. You know, he had the, the physicality and the talent to prove it. You know, I never noticed, too, I never thought about it with, with him and Rocky, too. But it makes perfect sense because, again, his, his ego was so wounded by everybody saying that, you know, hey, look, this this chump, this guy that you gave a shot actually had a legitimate chance. And you know Apollo didn't want to believe that. You know, he wanted to believe that he is still completely on top. You know, there's no way this this, this monkey could have, could have and I, I don't mean that as an offense towards you, monkey, monkey, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's no way this, this kid could have, could have possibly challenged him for his title. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but so, too, like yeah. The, in Rocky too, like like the one maybe you know to me arguably one of the best scenes in the whole movie is when Apollo is at his desk in the office and he has all of his strategists with him and as well as his trainer and they're talking about um, you know humiliating him publicly and uh, you know get some stuff in the papers about it and then his trainer gets up and is like dude like let it go you know like. I watched this man. I watched this man get beat like I've never seen a man get beat, and he kept coming after you. And you know, like we don't need this man. Like we need to move on from this. And and Apollo's like, "Thank you for your honesty." And then goes right back to talking about humiliation tactics and setting himself up to be the bad guy. Like that. That that's such a great mm-hmm. scene. Great scene. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I did end up uh, watching Rocky Balboa, Creed One, Creed Two, um, and it was. It was good. Like, Rocky Balboa depressed the fuck out of me. Like, I know it was kind of more like Rocky 1, but, like, I was like, especially Stallone's doing a great job in this fucking movie because he's, like, lost everything. Like, he has nothing anymore. He's living in this little place. Adrian's gone. His son's being a dick, you know. And, you know, you just have all these things, like Paulie just being an asshole all the time, just going around in these fucking death tours, you know, where he's like, yeah, remember when we went here? Remember when we went there? And he's like, this is fucking depressing, Rocco. Like, I'm over this, like, every fucking year with this shit. And he's like, all right, you guess you can go. And I was like, I felt bad for him. And then when he got that fight against uh, Mason Dixon, again, it felt like Rocky won, where he's like, I don't need to win. I just need to show that I can still have it. And I thought it was great. Um, and then you go into Creed uh, Part 1, and Paulie's dead. And I was like, can't this guy get a break? <laughs> can, can Rocky just have one good day where he wakes up and he's like, wow, it's going to be a great day today. I hope nobody dies that I know. <laughs> it just I felt so bad <laughs> for his character. You know, and just he, he defies all odds in, in Creed uh and just comes back and I love this performance in it. And then Creed two, they made me actually sympathize with Ivan Drago and his son. Especially his son Victor. Who is just like I, I wanna fight, I'm a good boxer and then of course Woodnilla comes back, Brigitte Nielsen, she's like, I'm only here for the fight. If you lose, I'm out of here. And holy yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, it was just, um, you know, yeah. Victor Drago for sure on in many ways was a was a pawn, you know, like one yeah. mm-hmm. like a pawn for his father to try to get back something 
that he had lost, um, you know, upon for for a nation to like regain respect within the sport, like when all of a sudden uh, after the first uh, victory, uh, like he's being honored again and everything, and and, and Brigitte Nelson comes back. Um, but then, but then ultimately, uh, you know, whether it was uh, the ghoul or king said about about Drago being humanized, like then finally at the end we know how the fight turns out. But also the great scene at the end uh, when they show Victor out running again, and this time Ivan's running side by side with him, not following yeah. the truck. You know, like coming to terms with the way everything is gone and realizing that I can't use my kid as a pawn in, 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 in my own quest to restore the glory of my name. And like, this is our lot in life and we have to accept it and, and, and move on from here together. It was great. And, I thought it was a great, too, you know, the fact that Ivan was able to do, which again, I don't agree with in the director's cut of Rocky, not like looking like he's going to throw that towel and, and, mm-hmm. and Creed looking at him and telling him not to do it. You know what I mean? Like that. And I then it drops. Like yeah. That, that, you know what I mean? I feel like in the original cut, that scene makes it make more sense because you know Rocky could have done it. It makes Rocky's guilt all the more so real in Creed 2. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, yeah. he was mm-hmm. about to throw it and he stopped himself. In the new cut, he's not about to throw it. They don't get him to that point. Um, so the fact no. that you get that turnaround in Creed 2, that Ivan actually goes and does that, you know, in a way that in and itself is almost like a slap in Rocky's face of like, look, I love my kid more than you loved your friend because I made sure to stop this shit. You know, if you would have done that, his dad would still be alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it just, it's great all around. And this is a question, like, before we get into horror news for, for uh, Ghoul and Dean. With Creed Two, they have a scene when Ivan and Victor arrive in Philadelphia, and they're looking at all the people, admiring the Rocky statue. But then they see at the top of the steps, there's people running up the steps and then raising their arms up in the air like Rocky did in the first one. So does that mean that Rocky is in the movies in this one? Like, could they make Rocky movies? There has to be, because there was nobody around in Rocky 1 to see him run up those stairs. Yeah, there's a whole generation of kids that ran up the steps with him in Rocky 2. Every kid in Philadelphia yeah. ran up the steps in Rocky 2. Yep. Oh, is that? Yeah, I forgot about that. No, see, I just, I was confused, because I'm like, wait a second. I was like, these little kids, they wouldn't know that. Because like, there was a bunch of so, kids and stuff like that raising their arms up, and, you know, I don't know. But. But that's I, like, because I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And that, you know, like, he's a Philadelphian icon, though. And you got to remember, you have Rocky 1, yes, okay, no kids right up with him. But Rocky 2, because of his first fight with Apollo, he's now a realistic yeah. contender. He is now a hero to all the small people of Philadelphia. So now you have all those mm-hmm. kids going. Now, remember, he becomes world champion. So now he is a huge popular character between three and four and then when he loses everything he goes back to Philadelphia you know Rocky Five yeah. for all of yep. its you know for all of its cheesiness mm. you know there are <laughs> some there are some things that are rewarding with that movie and it does just like Rocky Balboa tried to kind of bring it back to that Rocky One mentality so did Rocky Five mm-hmm. the problem with Rocky Five is that you had to have Rocky's kid in it and that kind of, yeah. you know, if, if you kind of omitted that or at least lessened 
some of the school crap that was going on with that kid, I think Rocky Five probably would have been a more rewarding movie. And maybe if you took out lines like, he stole my room. And the horrible, horrible, and it's not even like good stuff from the era, the horrible, shitty, like hip hop beats all throughout it too are terrible. Oh yeah, that, that was the but that was the Philadelphia sound at that time. Boys to Men, you know, Bel Biv DeVoe. It was like, but it, but still, it was that that might be the case. But the stuff they had in the movie was not that. It was like shitty low rent versions of that stuff. Take it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> do, 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 take it back. Hey, I'm just I'm just glad they put a statue. Yeah, I'm just glad they put um, a statue back up. Because in Lucky Balboa, Paulie's like, what are you mad that they took your statue down? I was like, what? It's, well, they moved why it. did they take it down? So in real life, it's, he's it's down low. It's down at the bottom of the steps, actually. Oh. You know, in real yeah, life, but in the movie, the steps, it's it off to the right <laughs> so and now on he, the bottom. Oh, wait, so now you don't actually have to run up the steps? Like, it's just now so easier for everybody to get to? <laughs> yeah, everybody just goes and so, takes pictures with it. Even I can do it. <laughs> yeah. you know, actually, here's true. Like, here's some truth to that. So, when 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 the statue was unveiled uh, and was commissioned to be created for for Rocky Three, and they had the whole debut up at the top of the steps, which is outside the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Yeah. After the movie was over, after the movie ended, uh, there was a long debate over what, like, of, of of the statue, like getting to be there, and the museum. They, you know, being the serious art museum, like, believed that to be nothing more than a movie prop, and they didn't want it there. Right. And it actually got removed, and for the longest time, I think the first time I saw it in person, for the longest time, it was outside the old Philly Spectrum where the Flyers and the Sixers used to play. Uh, they had it over there. Cool. Um, and then <clears throat> after, after that, uh, you know, it did have another shot up at the top of the steps. Um, but then I don't know, I don't remember what it was, but it, maybe it was a new new board or something in the museum. But the compromise ended up being, was it being kind of in this little park area uh, down alongside of the steps? Like if you're facing the steps, it's off to the right side. Uh, the last time I saw it, I was there. Um, not long after Rocky Balboa uh, came out, uh, the restaurant that I was working out at the time, uh, me and a bunch of buddies, um, you know, we, we, we were, we, we like, a bunch of us were drinking and we like drove into Philly and just like jumped out of the car and like all ran up the fucking Rocky steps like a bunch of idiots. And, uh, but then we like went down around the side of it and, and got to like see the statue, um, you know, which is, which is, which, and that's still, that's still where it is now. It's over there on, on the side. Yep. Yeah. I just and saw it last We were talking time. about, yeah. and we were just mm-hmm. talking about all the, yeah. all the kids. Hey, this is kind of funny. I just, so there's some channel that has been having, uh, you know, Rocky, not on Pluto, on, on Sling. Uh, there's like MGM something that's just been having like Rocky marathons on like all the fucking time. And I was watching Rocky two just like two or three nights ago. And it was the scene when he's running and all the kids are following him. And when, when it's getting towards the end of the run and like the camera stays on Rocky, but cuts away from all of the kids and Rocky really starts to pick up the speed. There's one kid uh, in like white pants <laughs> with a red vest who's like running fast and like trying to keep up. But then uh, when the camera switches to where it's facing all of them running, that kid isn't there, but you see him coming all the way from the side to, like, get to that position. So it's just like a, a funny, like a, it's like a weird little editing thing that, you know, I guess when there's a thousand kids, it's hard to keep track of who's who. But, um, you know, it's you so see funny. That, watch, watch yeah, that, for the kid. It, it, 
the kid is seriously memorable in the scene because he does, he's got a good burst of speed. And, like, you know, Stallone really has the fucking turn on the Jets. And, like, that's, that's yeah. how he starts pulling away. But this kid, this kid, right. for all well, well, purposes, is a fast Also, but also, they just, they just moved the camera a little to the left and cut him out of the scene. He might have been hanging on, but the camera was like, nah, we're just going to not shoot him. But then when, but when, but when the camera, when the angle, when the angle changes, like, you see that the kid isn't there, but you see him way off to the side. Like making his way up there, uh, I just noticed that the other night. <laughs> His fucking Stallone was all mad. He's like, "Get out, this little kid! <laughs> fucking beating me!" Get, in the fucking rain. Out of here. <laughs> get him out of the movie. Put him to the side. I gotta get up these stairs. I just, yeah, I, I fell for Rocky at the end of Creed when he's walking up the steps and he's like, "I need to take a break." I was like, "Me too, man." I was like, "I'd be taking a break long before you did." I'd be on step three, like, "Dude, can we stop?" Is there a bench around here somewhere? <laughs> Why are there so many? I think they added more, Rocky. Yeah, I agree. I think they added more. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is going to take a while. Five hours later, I finally make it to the top. It's been two days. Like, you know, I made it. Hey, now I've got to walk all the way back down. <laughs> but, yeah, so it was a great adventure. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing Creed 3. I, I will see it eventually. I'm probably going to wait for it to come on digital and rent it. But uh, with that being said, Dean, Car news. What are we talking about tonight? I will tell you what we're talking about tonight. Um, first, uh, Michael Berryman, uh, who is much mm-hmm. beloved, loved from his performance in The Hills Have Eyes and, of course, Weird Science, has written a book uh, called It's All Good uh, about his life in film. Uh, that is currently available for purchase, and he would really like everyone to support him and read his story. Uh, it's currently at uh, 228 pages. Uh, the paperback version is going to run you $23.43, and the hardcover talking mm-hmm. in at $38.74. But if you would like to read about Michael Berriman's journey uh, to the land of Hollywood and his experiences in the movies, then reading his memoir would be, it would be a choice for you. Yeah. Cool got choked by him and Kane Hodder. Bizarre as he. Yes. <laughs> that, that did happen. <laughs> and then we got a photo op with him later, where the cute blonde wanted to stay by my side. I was like, all right, all right. this is cool. <laughs> and Michael Berryman standing in the middle. <laughs> what a, what, he is a really fucking <laughs> yeah. guy. Like, very friendly, like, very fun. <laughs> She's like, do you mind if I get in on this? I'm like, no, go ahead. <laughs> and she just decided to lean on me, and I was like, this is fun. So I'll have to post that picture later in the group chat. I, I still have it. <laughs> um, but very cool. I might have to check that out. But all right, what's next? What are we talking about, Dean? Uh, you know, there was so much chatter uh, in our in our group uh, chat that I ignored having to do with Dungeons and & Dragons. And um, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that uh, Paramount... Uh, has teamed up with uh, the Limerick Entertainment Company uh, to preview uh, a Dungeons & Dragons app called PhotoLeaf, where you will be able to upload uh, 10 to 20 pictures of yourself and then get, have a custom avatar created for you uh, based on your favorite Dungeons & Dragons characters. Oh. <laughs> Fascinating. There you go. Then. Monkey, cool. <laughs> I already know what I look like as a Dungeons & Dragons character. I have my I have my figure of my uh, level 5 drunken uh, dwarf bard. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've got the figure of my stuttering turtle, you know, so he, uh, you know, just takes... Stuttering tortoise? Oh, no, it's a, he's a turtle character, and uh, he stutters. Turtle? So as it is, being that he's a humanoid turtle, um, he talks very slow, but not only that, he's a spellcaster. So, you know, when he has to... <laughs> Oh, oh, you fucking asshole. Oh, oh, my God. It's a fucking fail. Um, but, oh, uh, but, yeah, man, my character would have, like, fun. just, oh. <laughs> That's but, funny uh, as shit. But, yeah, you, and, and you got to do it. If you're going to do it, you got you to gotta fucking play it right. You know, and you got, you got, you know, with the people that I've played with, you have to play fully in character with it. Uh, almost kind yeah. of why yeah. I don't play with them as often anymore because, you know, one time I was sitting there and I got, I took a hit off my pen. And uh, it was a little, little too, too much. Uh, I took too much, man. I took too much. And uh, as I sat too there, much. and, and my, my other friend, who also had smoked a little too much, decided he couldn't function like a human, so he was going to go lay down in bed. Uh, after assuring us that he's a doctor, which he is, uh, he is a chiropractor, but he assured us that he knew that he was not going to die, but he just felt like he was going to. So he wanted to go lay down for a little while. Um, so, so that kind of put a halt on everything, but our favorite stoner, uh, JG, Dean, who you know very well, I watched as him and and a French kid named Tony, even though we weren't playing anymore, continue to completely conversate with each other in character. (laughs) So yeah, you know, like I'm sitting there and I'm like baked and I really don't have anything to fucking input into this conversation that they were having at all as their characters. And I was just really fucking stoned. So like I sat there like a drooling idiot, like just watching the two of them. And I was like, yeah, you know what, man, sometimes, sometimes Dungeons and Dragons can be just a little too nerdy, even for me. Um, but that being said, I, did, uh, I, did go see, I, I got to go see the movie this weekend. Um, that just recently released. Uh, I got early access due to Amazon Prime sending a an email saying like, "Hey, if you want, hit this link and we'll send you tickets." Uh, and I could use my code for uh, my A list and actually didn't have to pay for shit either. Uh, I can happily report the fucking movie was great. Uh, I literally had very low expectations. I hoped for something good or so bad that it would be really good. Uh, and I think like the general consensus of not only me, but everybody else in that theater as they walked out, mostly people that were not what you would consider stereotypical Dungeons and Dragons fans were all like surprised that the movie was really good and really fun. So, you know, I would definitely uh, advise it as just, as just a film to watch. It was a good time. Cool. Nice. Right. Uh, awesome. The only the only the only question I want to ask you, Ghoul, is: Did they try and work any of the mechanics or in-game jokes into the movie? Everything that gets put into the film, as far as mechanics, so so there's stuff in there that if you've ever played. Uh, a, a live version of Dungeons and Dragons, you're going to recognize yeah. certain things that are going to be familiar. They're not hitting you over oh, the cool. head with them. It's not, it's not so obvious 
like that they're trying so hard. It's just little things that you're going to pick up, like maybe a specific type of character being played um, as far as, like, alignments and things like that, but it doesn't spell it out for you. Okay. You would have had to have played to kind of get it. There's also stuff in there that if you've ever played one of the, the video games, you'll be like, oh, I know this place, or oh, I've heard of this place. There's even, and it is in the trailer, if you look, uh, you might have seen me unsend some messages the other day. Uh, I just... You know, in case somebody yep. here watched the trailer who wants to see the movie, um, you know, I, I took it out. But there is even a little bit of a call to a certain 1980s cartoon um, within the oh, movie as well. Oh, shit. <laughs> and like I said, it, it, is, it is in the trailer in a blink-and-you-miss-it moment, but it is also in the film itself. So, so yeah, it's, again, you know, Chris Pine was great. The actors, everybody, they all, you could tell they were having fun with it. And it wasn't, like, it definitely was nowhere near that fucking turd of a movie that we got in, like, 2001 oh, or whatever. That, Mar- yeah. that Marley yeah, Lane. Yeah, it, it was 2000. It was 2000 okay. with Jeremy Irons. Yep. Uh-huh. That's shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Dean, what else are we talking about? What's up next? I will tell you what else we're talking about. Oh, Black, my God, please. Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash has co-founded mm-hmm. a new horror movie <laughs> production company uh, with Rue Morgue and Hangar 18 Media. Uh, it's called the Berserker Gang Films Forged in yeah. Would you like to where they will be creating passionate <laughs> horror projects and they are going to announce what the first films going into production will be. Uh, they're going to make this announcement at the Cannes Film Festival in May what their first films will be for um, the Berserker Gang uh, films forged in Fury production company. Did he just say making fuck? (laughs) Would you like to make some fuck? Berserker! Would you like to suck my cock? Berserker! But that is cool that he's getting into the horror game. I mean, I, I'm not a big Guns N' Roses fan. Like, there, there's a couple songs I like, but overall, yeah, I, I could do without them. <laughs> never been a fan of Axl Rose. Just never, you know, his Marvel, screeching yeah, Marvel voice. Marvel wasn't the last damn Thor movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was so much Guns N' Roses in the fucking movie. Love and Thunder. Like, this is, we're all in with Guns N' Roses, all right, guys? We don't really need anything else. It's Guns N' Roses. Like, okay. But there's other bands out there. Nope. No. Only Guns N' Roses. <laughs> okay. Rewatched it recently. It's not, not, as, not as bad as the first time. Uh, or at least I like my thoughts it. Were, it definitely changed. I enjoyed it a little more. But, uh, you know, the, the Van Damme split, you know, actually kind of won me over <laughs> to, to, to start it off with, to be honest with you. Oh, I and I know it. a lot of people fucking absolutely hated that moment, and I'm like, dude, if you've ever watched a fucking 80s action movie, you know, and you've ever seen Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know exactly what the fucking director was going for right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on, what else are we talking about, Dean? Uh, speaking of Van Damme, uh, while this next film is uh, on, uh, Tim Burton is about to go into production, they say uh, filming is on the verge of beginning. Um, The fact that all this time later, it's finally happening, uh, Beetlejuice 2 
is about to go into <laughs> production with uh, Michael Keaton, uh, Winona Ryder, uh, and Catherine O'Hara uh, returning. Uh, it's also uh, there's major rumors uh, flying all over Hollywood that none other than Short Club Van Jenna Van Ortega is going. No, that <laughs> Jenna Ortega is going to be signing on to play uh, Winona Ryder's character Lydia's daughter. And oh, in, addition, in addition to that, <laughs> uh, that Jean-Claude Van Damme will be playing a ghost in the film. Now I kind of want to see it. <laughs> that might have just bought my ticket. Yes. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. Yeah. Why are those guys <laughs> so pissed at me? <laughs> now I show you a trick or two. Dimmock. <laughs> you need well. to do the Dimmock. What is what is Dimmock? Death touch. <laughs> bottom break. Maybe. Oh yeah, break Bottom one. Brick, no hits back. That's how, it, <laughs> that's how he became a ghost, because he did it. I just want to see him in a black tank top and khakis just dancing around. That's his eternity. Oh, he's got some moves on him. Look at him go. No stopping him. Those fucking dance moves are legendary, bro. Come on, that, that, <laughs> that shuffle, that split, I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> But all right, uh, Dean, moving on. What are we talking about? Uh, I can tell you that uh, the Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel is now filming uh, with uh, writer-director Gil Keenan at the helm. And uh, Finn Wolfhard and McKenna Grace are back, um, as well as Ernie Hudson. Uh, No other, uh, no word yet if Paul Rudd will be returning or any other legacy characters, uh, but it has been said that the character of Winston Zedmore and Zedmore Industries is going to have a much larger role uh, in the film and Ghostbusters franchise. So um, this film is is currently, uh, this film is currently filming. Uh, Yes, it has gone into production filming, uh, you know, um, uh, they posted a picture from the director's chair on set and, uh, you know, it does not yet have an official title, uh, but filming is underway. Yeah, they're calling it Firehouse uh, under production, so we'll see if that's what oh, they I don't keep think it I, as, I, Firehouse. I don't, think I, don't think I saw that. On the, uh, the slate that they used for the, uh, the first photo, it says uh, Ghost, uh, Firehouse on it, so uh, I don't know well, if that's yeah, just... You have it <laughs> so it might just be a production name. You know, we'll see if they change the title. But, you know, Winston fucking bankrolled the whole thing. So I hope that he is a big character in the sequel. Right. That's he's the one that was keeping the Egon alive. Kept, he, he, right. He's the one that kept the lease going on, on the firehouse, right? And, and everything. Yep. Uh, from, from oh, yeah. No, he was, and he was the one that was bankrolling Egon when he was in that town. He was giving Egon money so he could keep on going and doing his research. So he's a big part of it. And it's great to see that because in the first Ghostbusters, yeah, he, he's – not in a lot of the promotional materials. You see a lot of the posters, he's not included, which is a shame. Like, he seems like an afterthought. 
And I've always liked that character. You know, he was the guy that's like all of us. Like, I don't care if there's ghosts or not. It's a steady paycheck involved. I'll believe whatever you want me to believe. I don't give a shit. <laughs> He's just the everyman. You know, he just wants to work. So I'm excited for it. I'm a huge Ghostbusters nerd, as you guys know. But all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Uh, you know, Ty, Ty West has uh, so quickly uh, has this franchise going with X and Pearl. And mm-hmm. uh, we know that uh, Mia Goth is returning for Maxine, uh, which will be the mm-hmm. third film in this uh, fledgling uh, franchise. Mia Goth, speaking about Maxine, has said that the script is the best of the three. Uh, but I'm mm. not just here to say that. I am also here to say that there are uh, strong rumors that were shared from film journalist uh, Jeff Snyder on the Hot Mike podcast where he said that uh, pop singer Halsey, uh, Helen Bonham Carter, and Kevin Bacon will all be joining the cast for Maxine as well. Oh, yeah. Really? It's going to get even better. No, I mean, Bacon could do whatever he wants. I love Bacon. And Helen Bottom Carter, not so much, but, you know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know who. Jeez, me, me, I don't. Mia Goth and Helen mm. Bottom Carter in the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> Two can outact each other in a fucking movie. And uh, I, I don't know who Halsey is, but uh, is that a guy, girl? I don't know. But She's a woman. Cool. Is it? Okay. Is she an actress? I've never heard the no, name before, so I'm like, you know. She's a singer. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, because the only time I think of Halsey is Reanimator and Meg Halsey in that movie. It's <laughs> automatically my go-to whenever I hear Halsey. So, all right, so she's a singer. Uh, and Bacon, again, could do no wrong. I mean, I'm just looking forward to Maxine. I know it's, start, it's supposed to start filming supposedly next month or April, May, I think is what they said they're going to start doing it as, but... I'm looking forward to seeing the conclusion. Like I, I like Pearl, but fucking X is still like one of my favorite fucking movies. Like, it's just it was so perfect. <laughs> we yeah, talked about it on the show. Pearl yet. It's not bad. Like it's just it. You know you have to temper expectations. And that's why I tell everybody going into Pearl. Like you go from X to Pearl, and it's like you got to temper down expectations. Um, it's good, but it's not X. So that's you know. I'm trying to tell people it, it's it's Technicolor. It's Martin Scorsese fucking loves it to death, you know. But then again, that's not a great recommendation. I mean, it's, you know, because I you know thought it was good, but it could have been better. But I'm looking forward to Maxine taking place in the '80s. You know, have a lot of coke, a lot of porn. You know, let's see what happens with with uh, Maxine's character well, moving forward. More but. familiar time mm-hmm. too. You know what I mean? As far as like, yeah. our existences go, you know, if if not from our own childhood it's at least two from our, our parents and whatnot, you know, or our siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's going to be much more enjoyable that way. Um, and that's why there was a show on HBO that I used to watch called the deuce, um, which was all about 42nd street, New York. And it was the porn industry and it was the music industry and, and everything in between. And then they brought it into the eighties and I was like, okay, yeah, there's New York city in the eighties, dirty, disgusting, weird, <laughs> bring it back. You know, I, just, I love that era of New York. Always have, but um, if you guys haven't checked out the Deuce on HBO, I don't even know if it's still available for streaming, but love the shit out of that uh, series. You know, you have, uh, have James Franco it. playing twins. 
Yeah, it's, it's a lot of like the birth of porn in the 70s and like 42nd Street. Uh, James Franco plays twins. It's like oh, one's yeah. a kind of like derelict and the other one's running a business. So, yeah, I, I like James Franco. I don't like Dave Franco. So I'll take James yeah, over Dave. Like I, I prefer Dave over James. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't mind Dave. I just don't think he's that great. I prefer uh, James I Franco. He, I don't know, think either of them... I don't think either of them are great actors in any way. I just, you know what, I just find James Franco's whole, and I know Dave kind of just does the same fucking gimmick. I just find there's mm-hmm. something about James Absolutely. Franco's just face and persona that just irritates the fuck out of me. smile. He's got that Joker smile. It's like, no, it's like looking at a fucking <laughs> chimpanzee. It's like looking at a hairless chimp. And he's like, every time he smiles, it's like he's happy with himself. Like he just gave a fucking monkey a banana. And he's like, oh, a fucking banana. Let me knock my knuckles on the fucking ground a couple times for you. See, I feel the same way about James, uh, Jason Siegel. That's how I see Jason Siegel. Just this chimp of a guy that's just in all these things, and he's just smiling all the time and playing all these, like, oh, I'm an off kind of guy. His fucking dick and balls hang out. All the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got to give him credit for that. So, for getting Sarah Marshall, where he's fucking uh. crying with his fucking dick out. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that movie. I got this from start to finish. I'm just fucking naked on the fucking couch, crying. Dude, I love, and I love you, him. man. That's another great one, man, with him and Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah well, they had great chemistry. Like, that's what made that movie fucking work so much. Because Paul Rudd playing like the guy, like I've never had friends, and he meets the guy who's like, yeah, cool man. He's like, all right, step of time. What'd you say? I don't know. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> He's so awkward and weird. And it, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of I Love You, Man. But uh, anyway, Dean, moving on. What else are we talking about? Jordan Peele. Uh, recently on the show, of course, we talked about Jordan Peele's recent film, Nope. Uh, but it has mm-hmm. been announced. That Jordan Peele's uh, fourth film uh, is going to be released on Christmas Day, uh, 2024. Uh, nice. Right now, the title of the film, I the like title that. of the film right now is "Untitled Fourth Film Directed by Jordan Peele." Uh, oh, this is uh, with <laughs> okay. Universal. Uh, but uh, while uh, anything having to do with that film uh, details are obviously uh, completely under wraps. Uh, it is also known uh, that he has produced uh, some other mysterious project for Universal that has a release date of September 27th, 2024. But that is on the production side of things. So those are some items going on in the world of Jordan Peele at this time. I'm a fan. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to see what he comes out with next. You know, maybe uh, you know original film. I like it. So, and that's a great date too. You know, that Christmas time type of movie. You know, right at the end of the year, you kind of inject that new movie. It's like it's. Oh, it's I like when for, movies release around that time. It's interesting for if he's sticking to what he's done so far, which is always kind of like a horror esque movie. You know, Christmas is a is, is an interesting release date for one. Yeah, I completely agree. That's why I said I like that release date. So I'm going to stay tuned for more details, and I'm sure we'll get a title eventually, you know, maybe in the summertime or towards the end of this year. But looking forward to it either way. But 
All right, Dean, what's next? What are we talking about? Uh, there's going to be uh, an advanced screening uh, coming up uh, tomorrow uh, of Evil Dead Rise uh, at the Esquire Theater in Cincinnati being presented by the Horror Hound Convention, which is taking place in Cincinnati this weekend, uh, the 24th (laughs) to the 26th. Uh, so like that, it, it, the the tickets for the screening are only available to attendees of the convention. Uh, but in addition mm. to that, a week ago there was a screening of Evil Dead Rise at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. And after the screening, uh, during the Q and A with uh, members of the cast and Bruce Campbell and others, uh, there was a fan in attendance who I saw that, threw his yeah. popcorn bucket in a bit of rage and started screaming this movie fucking sucks and then paused in the balcony to give the whole stage the finger and said that the movie is garbage to which Bruce Campbell screamed at him what are you even doing here get the fuck out of here and then of course the whole audience went <laughs> yep. crazy and uh, it carried on <laughs> with the show so, um, so, so, so we know that uh, Evil Dead Rise was going to be uh, as we say every time a news item comes up was supposed to be uh, direct to screening, uh, but there was so much buzz from test screenings uh, that they have decided to go the theatrical route, uh, and uh, getting a chance to see this one is, is is pretty much right around the corner. April 21st. Like, I, I can't fucking wait for Evil Dead Rise. I'm so excited. You know, they uh, luckily they keep playing the same trailers over and over again, so it's nothing new. So I'm glad when I go to the movies and I see the trailer, I'm like, okay, this isn't anything new. Like, it's, it's the same Yeah, thing. I keep fucking but, dreading, yeah. like, they're going to do one of those, like, here's the next <laughs> yeah. final trailer. Like, it's like, nah, man, I don't want to fucking see any more. I just, just keep this to what I've seen, and that's it, you know? Yep. Yeah, I don't want to know any more. What I've seen is great. The posters are coming out are great. And, yeah, I saw that video. And you don't see Bruce, but you hear his voice saying, what are you even doing here? Get the fuck out of here. And everybody starts cheering. I was like, that's Bruce. Like, you know, like, why are you going to go and fucking ruin everybody's time, man? Like, you know, you're, oh, you're so cool going to this and just be like, whatever, guys, middle finger in there. Yeah, get out of here. Like, really excited to see it. I, I can't wait. And hopefully, like I talked about last week, Dean, you weren't here, but apparently Lee Cronin, the director, <clears throat> has put a cameo by Bruce Campbell in the movie. And if you're the first person to see it and tweet him about it, he'll give you 50 bucks. So uh, well, he's field when you go see it. <laughs> $50 bill. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> the money to save the good dogs. <laughs> he is generous. But it's lovely. <laughs> I don't care. Oh, See, Bruce's no, face on the $50 bill. I'd keep it. I told you these fratellis were, were bad people. Bad news, man. <laughs> it's a Bruce buck. It's a fifty dollar Bruce Congratulations. Fifty dollar Bruce I'd be happy with that. That's a, holy shit. I know. I would frame it. Like this is my fifty dollar Bruce Buck. I can't spend it on anything, but it's framed. Because <laughs> I, I saw his cameo in Evil Dead Rise. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dean. So what else are we talking about? I will tell you. You always ask so nicely. Um, Thank you. I will say that. Uh, so I completely. Uh, you know, was 100% wrong on all counts uh, when it came to the performance of Avatar 2. Um, I say that uh, mm-hmm. with, well, we all with, were. with no hesitation. Uh, I say it as clear as day. 
Uh, I feel like perhaps I was the loudest voice of saying that it was that it was going to be a miss, and I could not have been more wrong. I have not seen it yet, but I could not have been more wrong. But what I do want to say is that Avatar 3 uh, comes to theaters on December 20th, uh, 2024, uh, with a running time, which is going to be around three hours. But <laughs> word is going around, even with his dislike of uh, streaming, uh, that James Cameron is preparing, not of the first, second, and third movie, but just the third movie, Avatar 3, James Cameron is, in addition to the theatrical cut, preparing a nine-hour cut that will be broken oh. down into a limited series to air on Disney+. Plus. Oh, oh, hell no. Well, a series <laughs> works. Yeah, nine hours straight, no, but a series, that, that's fine. Um, I mean, he, he, you know, obviously made bank. You know, we were all wrong, Dean, uh, in thinking that it was going to flop. Um, I guess. And I just watched a new, yeah, yeah. I just watched a new episode of South Park as a new season premiered. And one of the episodes, Randy was talking about everything being woke and how he doesn't like it anymore. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to be honest. Avatar 2 sucked. He's like, I'm the only one brave enough to say it. <laughs> Every, he's just, he's like, come on. I'm the only guy that's honest enough to say it. I'm like, no. Obviously, the numbers say against it, but I, I think he has uh, three, four, and five, I guess, ready to go. I think that's what, Dean, you were saying, that like he has all these movies like prepared to go. Just have to film. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there's going, to be, there's going to be five sequels, um, so there's four more of them on the way, uh, but this news yeah. is specific to the third one. Interesting. Uh, but, you know, so. also, Disney... You know, while purchasing this, knowing that, you know, obviously that the, the possibility of a franchise was going to be a thing, Disney didn't go and greenlight five movies. Disney, you know, is smart. They're letting it go one at a time. Let's, let's see how we do. Now, I mean, I saw Avatar 2 in theaters. Now, out of the four of us here, I'm the only one that did. Uh, out of all of the people yeah. that I work with, I'm the only one that did. You know, for a movie that supposedly is grossing... <laughs> so much money, it amazes me that I literally only know two other people who actually went and saw this movie in the theater. You know, I know domestically this supposedly brought in $657 million, but it also worldwide has grossed $1.5 billion. It's amazing that it made so much money all in these other fucking places. Obviously, the rest of the world must be more evolved than us here in America when it comes to, like, what good movies are, because they see something in that fucking three-hour slot fest that the rest of us must... Uh, us primitive Americans didn't. Um, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. The people that I know that did see it agree with me in which, you know what, it, it's, it's a decent movie. It's a good film. It's a lot of fun. Visually, it's very impressive. But it didn't feel like it was breaking any fucking grounds that weren't done in the first Avatar. Uh, I didn't see anything get done, like, special effects-wise that made me feel like like I did when I saw that first movie. So that's not what's right. doing it. So if you're telling me that it's the story and the building of that story, then man, people really are fucking starving for shit because I don't know, man. That, this one was well, 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 well weaker than the original story. Yeah, I've heard that as well. But obviously people are clamoring for it and we're going to get a lot more. 
But all right, anything else, Dean, before we get into movies tonight? Yes. It's been a little while since I have had any news to share about the upcoming uh, Toxic Avenger remake. Uh, This is Mm -hmm. not about the Toxic Avenger remake, uh, but this piece of news uh, has to do with the Toxic Crusaders, uh, the animated series uh, that came out in the 90s. But Mm -hmm. it was announced that the Retrowave Video Game Company is releasing a Toxic Crusaders uh, beat-em-up style video game. Uh, They're calling it a radical radioactive uh, romp for a new era. Uh, There will be several, several, sorry, seven different playable characters, including Toxie, Nozone, um, Junkyard, Major Disaster, and others. Uh, And then Characters from other trauma properties will show up. Uh, characters from such films as Class of Nukem High, uh, Poultry Guys, oh. um, nice. Sergeant Kabuki Man. Um, and you can, currently, yes, you can currently add this game to your wish list on Steam. Uh, so the Toxic Crusaders uh, video game. Well, they got to get it out to consoles, it. man. Steam is only on computers, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that. yeah, that's PC only. Yeah, well, we'll you know, see. Who knows? Maybe it'll branch out. Bringing up like cartoon mm-hmm. series like that and everything. I mean, I don't know. I know we spoke about the uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trailer last week. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so going to the movies this week, I actually was kind of pissed off about something. And I mean, I know that's oh. that's, that's, nothing, that's nothing new. Uh-oh. I know. I was waiting for the fucking team to be like, what you know, what what else is new? So when we were speaking about it last week, you know, one of the things that we had brought up specifically was that whole sequence in which the Psy ends up getting stuck in Donatello's leg. Um, yeah. You know, being that we had never really seen these weapons used in that regard before. <laughs> Well, the new trailers in the theater, that sequence is cut. They've now made it so that the camera is closer, so it's zoomed in. You don't see the thigh (laughs) enter. You don't see the cut where it's like the scene is cut back a little bit and you see it stuck in him. All you see are the reaction shots of everybody around him. So Mm, once again, I I guess the parent board was like, wah, 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 you can't have this in a possible fucking cartoon series. So so whether that is the studio making that decision or somebody complained, you know what, go fuck yourself. As easy as that. Yeah, no, I agree. That that sucks. Because that was the best part of the trailer when I saw it. I was like, oh, they're actually using their weapons. (laughs) <laughs> it was so great. And the fact that Donatello has such a teenage voice. <laughs> oh, my God, this is great. But, um, you know, parents probably complain, as you said. But uh, All right, Dean, so is there anything else before we get into the movie? No, that was the last item that I would have liked to have discussed this evening. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so we are going to be talking about 616 Wilford Lane from 2021, directed by David S. Allen and Dante Yor. Gould, this is your pick. Hit us up with a synopsis and what you thought about it. Let's do it. Yeah, listen, okay. Uh, synopsis. <laughs> synopsis. <laughs> Dude moves into a haunted house with his daughters and, uh, and, and you know, hijinks occur. 
Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know. Look, this is one of those where it was like, hey, what am I going to pick this week? Oh, look, random movie that, uh, that, that yes, was suggested by somebody. Um, short thing. I had high hopes that this was kind of from, from the looks of the, the trailer and whatnot. I was hoping that this would be like Skinamax porn level film. And, and while it yes. is, it's lacking all the Skinamax porn level nudity. Uh, so besides yeah. that, you have uh, yeah, you, you have six one six over lane, and very very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are redheads are pretty nice, but uh, <laughs> so Dean, what'd you think about six one six Wolford Lane? <laughs> All right, uh, so <laughs> truly, like for 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 eighty percent of this movie, I, and I'm not even kidding. It, it felt to me like a like a lifetime movie. Um, yeah, I one uh, I have been I have been to Auburn. Um, it's about uh, I don't know. Oh, it's a real place. Okay. on traffic. Yeah, no, Auburn, California, absolutely. And and the, the town when they were in the town uh, that's considered old Auburn, uh, but Auburn is mm-hmm. like north. It's like northeast of Sacramento. Um, and depending on traffic, can take 90 minutes, and it can take four hours because uh, traffic in that direction mm. can be crazy. But I've been to Auburn before. Um, there's a there's a music fest uh, that I would that a, a one day thing that I would go to a bunch. Uh, so I've been up that way and down like old Auburn town is like a really cool little uh, little town. Um, I, I, I once with the discussion going just going, I have a lot to say about this. I didn't I, I did not like this movie. Um, for a variety of reasons that I'm looking forward to talking about as the, the show rolls on. All right. Monkey, what did you think about 616 of Wilfred Lane? I hate haunted house movies. <laughs> you know I do. And I hate ghost hunting shows. I hate paranormal activity movies just because you know, it just strikes me as a bunch of bullshit. It, it, like, it just strikes me as an easy way out to do a horror movie <laughs> instead of, like, actually taking the time and, you know, actually doing something and, you know, creating story, creating characters and all that. And it's just, you know, shooting stuff through cams just, you know, annoys the hell out of me. Um so 90% of this film, I was annoyed as hell until the last 10% when I was fucking laughing my ass off because the movie 100% agreed with me. <laughs> the feel <end of> <laughs> about these things. So as it was, so as in the last 10%, you know, when it happens, I was fucking rolling because I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm with you here. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know, but, you know, it, it's like, it, except for the haunting, it's like the teen drama was, you know, I guess, okay, teen drama and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, for Jessica Chancellor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Ghoul, I thank you because you have no idea how much I tried to look up and look up and look up to see what I could find about this chick. It's like nothing. And it's like nothing. No, yeah, no, 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 no. Unfortunately, no, she never unveiled time. those chancellors. No. Exactly. No. She is She is a professional tease, but she's also like a professional cosplayer. 
there's there's tons of really great pictures of her out there teasing and whatnot. And, you know, all I could be was, like, you know, like, torn because I was like, you know, fuck you, but at the same time, good for you for not messing up your career because at the same time, it's like she's also working on, like, you know, part of Scooby-Doo. She's in Mystery Incorporated. She's also part of... uh, a Spider-Man series, Mary Jane, and stuff like that. So she knows enough stuff out there without messing up her career. So good for her, and at the same time, good for you, Google, for at least, yeah, bringing <laughs> that into this. I, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I am of the belief that, like, if, you, if you've got those man-mates, then, then you have a, a duty to your fellow man to show those man names. <laughs> you know, you, you, you had them put on for a reason. Um, but, but so be it. It is what it is. And, yeah, you know, I was surprised, too, that they, uh, that they have yet to, to pop up in anything. But, like you said, she actually does have a career uh, with the cosplaying thing, but also with, you know, Mystery Incorporated. So, so kids-based products. So, so allowing uh, that yeah. to to come out would probably limit her opportunities as far as things like that go. Yeah, so you know, mad props to her for being smart about her own career. You know, so King, what did you think of this film? <clears throat> well, like again, this movie confused me so much. Like it really did. Um, I knew it was a random ghoul pick because I was like, there's just nothing really here. Like, it's, it's like, okay, we're going to be like Paranormal Activity meets Amityville. Um, we're going to have a dime store Michael Madsen, uh, Jim, in this movie. <laughs> where he's, like, he's like, hey, what's going on? Like, you know, it's, it's so fucking weird. And it's like, you think it's going to be one thing, and then it becomes another thing. And then I, I shut the movie off after it ended. I'm like, well, wait a second. None of that makes any sense. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get the angle like okay we're having double twists okay we'll talk about it but at the same time like but wait <laughs> that makes no sense because there were scenes and we'll talk about them where they're talking about everything and it's like well how does that equate the ending and I was like what what is the, they're clearly not a family <laughs> it's not like what, uh, we'll get to it it's just, like I said I didn't hate this movie but it's a movie that like you find on Tubi one day and you're like, oh, all right, like, let me check this out. Like, you're fucking hungover, you're laying on the couch, and you put, press play, and then you're like, wow, this is like 75 minutes of nothing. And then 10 minutes of like, wait, there's more, and there's more? This movie's done. You're like, oh, no, no, there's 10 minutes left. <laughs> and you just, you're like, okay, I'll go with it. But, yeah, it's just one of those, like uh, the dean had said, lifetime sci-fi 2B movies that you find randomly. Um, but anyway, it's, as, it's a trick. For, for me, it literally was like, it was like watching a, a porn, you know, like, like yeah. seriously, it, it was, Cinemax. you know, yeah. for, for all intents and purposes that the only thing this, this movie, and this did have, it, okay, I'm not going to say it had fuck scenes, but there were quote unquote sexy type scenes, but it was like, Simulated as I'm watching the movie, I'm yeah. like, Hey, this is the part where he fucks the real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the scene in which, you know, the two sisters that are like stepsisters are going to fuck each other. Oh, look, young right. teenage yeah. guys. I'm for that. Now they're going to fuck the two girls. 
oh, look, you know, the dad's going to fuck the stepdaughter. The stepdaughter's going to sleep with the real estate agent. Wow, everybody's fucking Eric <laughs> Roberts. You know, like all of these things are yeah. like what I'm seeing in this movie. Like you got the, like you said, the, the, the main character, the, the dude, I'm seeing him as John, John Masters, I think is, the, por- is, is the, the porno guy's name. And then like the redhead chick, you know, I know it's Jessica Chancellor, but all I'm seeing is Penny Pax. Yeah, so like I'm oh, like, yeah, picturing, exactly the, I'm picturing the entire movie facts. like in my head, and I'm like, why can't you just fuck each other already? <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. So it's just like a Sarah Underwood playing uh, Stacy. That would have been perfect. That's too much, just like yep. Sarah Underwood. You know. So yeah. But anyway, so. We find out in the opening of the movie, there's a text that in 2005, a missing piece of Papyrus 115 was discovered, proving earlier suggestions that 666, historically known to be the number of the beast, is incorrect. The sign of the beast is 616. So that's when we come oh. to the house at night with enough security cams oh, oh, to make oh. the family movies jealous. On the cam in one bedroom, we see a man get up and stand frozen in place as people in other rooms sleep. We follow the man downstairs to the office where he gets a shotgun and gets ready to Amityville Horror everybody inside. He goes around, and everyone gets a shotgun. You get a shotgun death, and you get a shotgun death. Everyone gets a <laughs> shotgun death in this movie as we open it. And with everyone dead, did you, the man gives himself a... Mm-hmm, yep. Did you notice what was going on with the time during those moments? That too? it was fast-forwarding? Yeah. That it was yeah, fast-forwarding exactly fast six minutes and 16 seconds. Yes, it was stupid. <laughs> I even made that note. Oh, I was like, oh, what, whatever. You find that to be genius? Come on, that's such, <laughs> such intelligence. <laughs> so, with everyone dead, the man gives himself the Kurt Cobain special and blows his brains out. And then we cut to six months Damn. later. Damn. A man named Jim is crying as his dying wife comforts him. She needs to know if he'll be strong for their daughters, clearly his daughters, after she's gone, and he says he can do that. And then we cut to the sexy daughters, Randy and Stacy, entering the room and comforting their dying mom. And then we cut to well, a that's cemetery. Well, Stacy's mom's got it going on. <laughs> so, <laughs> David, uh, Jim speaks to Stacy, and they discuss moving from their home to a new location to start fresh. Stacy isn't exactly happy that they're moving. She's like, you're fucking selfish, Dad. And he's like, well, everything is going to be okay. Keep her chin up. We're never going to be okay. And she says, fuck you. This family is fucking tight in as hell. So we cut to the new town of Amityville. Actually, it's Auburn, but, you know, we're, we're in a weird movie. So we have fucking porno realtor Austin showing up at her job, and she's beautiful <laughs> and driven. She meets Jim outside you, you, of her office, and he's looking. You mean office. Megan Schlocks? You know, the... <laughs> yep. Yeah, I just, I was like, clearly she's like the porno actress in this movie. Um, are they going to fuck? Stay tuned, because we might have that happen. Austin takes Jim to look at 616 Wilford Lane. Hey, the name of the movie. This house has hey. a casita, too. Oh, my God. What's a fucking casita? I don't know, but it has one. And we find out that the house is $3 million. And come on, Jim, you can get it for 2.5. He's like, yeah, I'm kind of looking for something in the 250,000 okay. range. She's so, like, don't so worry about But it's a $10 million home. But here's the thing, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Some of the things that, when you talk about things that make no sense, here's a perfect example of this. And I agree. 
One, I didn't know what the story was, all right? And I just want to rewind a little bit towards, towards, towards the beginning. I didn't know exactly what was going on uh, to, like, what degree is the way things shook out at the end, of course. But, like, from the get-go, I didn't buy for one second that these were actually his teenage daughters. Um, Absolutely not. Yeah. I know that <laughs> yeah. we were talking about this. I know we are talking about this, but, and, you know, just getting my word in here, like, one, I was like, all right, well, this obviously appears to be an incredibly low-budget movie, so maybe it's just one of those situations where they just have shitty actresses and they don't care what ages uh, that they're playing here. But I was like, no, this is, this is not a real – it's not an actual, uh, like, family situation. But what's, what's – and this is just lazy writing to me, especially because, like, I don't know the writers or directors or, or like, if they know – like, what made them choose Auburn, if they're from Auburn, all right? And – like, there is nowhere, there's nowhere in California that you're getting anything, like, even, <laughs> like, the shittiest one-bedroom condo for $250,000, which he's like, oh, it's three million. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something in the 250000 range. Like, that is so unrealistic and so absurd <laughs> that, like, if you know anything about the area of California, like, it would have been realistic if he said, I'm trying to be in the five to $600,000 range, uh, and now I'm standing in this house that's outside of that, but to say 250000 that's just, at, like, I was laughing. I was laughing well, uh, like, I was when, when he said that. And the fact that he buys it. Yeah. With the same thought process, mm-hmm. he also uses the 200. Like he's saying, he's he's looking for something in the 250 range. Now, at no point did he say flat out that he had 250 thousand dollars. You know, the fact that he has the 250 thousand dollars, that she's like, yeah, well, you could just drop that 250 down as the deposit on the 2.5 million dollar home. Right. You know, that's not a big mortgage. Not at all. Don't worry about it. It's fine. The bank will be cool with you. It's fine. But again, you know, as I think we're going to find out later, I get the feeling that the mortgage was never going to be paid anyway. You know, I I, I get the feeling that that there's going to be fake names. I think, you know, obviously what we end up seeing with this film is that the whole entire movie you, know, you have to. Okay, I'm not saying to go back and watch it, but if you were to go back and watch it, you got to look at it with the eyes of like they're all full of shit the entire time. Yeah, <clears throat> and at no point did I think that they were being truthful, <clears throat> any of them. But anyway, Jim, of course, decides to buy the house. Stacy's still kind of upset about it. Randy's like, "Oh fuck, it has a pool! Hell yeah!" I'm like, "Hell yeah, Randy, you're hot. You can do whatever you want." So as they move in, and she, likes to, she, and she likes to yell fuck a lot. She's like, fuck she yeah. Does. And <laughs> fuck I'm you. always that. Yeah. <laughs> this like, is fucking I love redheads because she can do whatever she wants. So, yeah. So she's I just getting back to what we were just saying. I just pulled up like one of the online mortgage calculators and want to say that a, 200, a, two mil, a $2.5 million house with a $250,000 down payment for a 30-year mortgage, I lowered what like the interest rate is right now from 7-something to 6%, um, and have discovered that the monthly mortgage payment would be $15,201. Oh, sure. oh, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got that. All right. That my, all? My, okay. my annual salary. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we're screwed. Uh, so they all move in. A bird flies into the window and dies, and Jim's like, well, that's crazy. Uh, then we get introduced to neighbors David and Jean showing up to welcome them to the neighborhood. Randy's walking around in a great fucking bikini, and, Dave, you know, and David's like, oh, hey, what's going on? And David and Jean have some friendly banter back and forth with Jim before leaving, but forget about that. It's showtime as we see Randy swimming around in the pool while Stacy reads. Uh, yeah, but don't forget, man, Randy it's fucking Eric fun. Roberts. You can't just sit there and be yeah, like, he shows up. It's fucking Eric Roberts from the best of the best, man. Yeah, Eric Roberts. Paycheck Roberts. Not just Paycheck Roberts, but, like, Eric Roberts is like, I'm going to be the mayor in this movie? Okay. <laughs> you know? It doesn't matter how I'm going to act? Okay. I'm going to be completely fucking weird. Like, I'm going to be completely bizarre. <laughs> I'm going to give, like, weird looks. I'm going to, like, I'll put, like, this weird affectation to the way I'm going to speak. I'm just yeah. going to do whatever the fuck yeah. I want to do. And the director's like, you're Eric Roberts. You can do whatever you want to do, sir. Yes. You, oh, you yeah, act you said that. however yeah. you feel, yeah. you should act in this movie. Pop it. I, I guarantee you he said exactly those words. You get to do whatever you want. You're fucking Eric Roberts. Have fun. Let's make a fucking movie. So, thank you, you know, can I do some Taekwondo punches? Fuck yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Do all the Taekwondo you want, man. It's all good. Can we be honored for you to be my brother? <laughs> um, so later that night, uh, Randy is walking around her room. She's dancing around, having a great time. Jim is falling Me asleep too. on the couch. And we see a bottle of, of scotch move across the counter and eventually fall as Randy sees somebody outside of her window and she's like, holy shit, there's somebody outside. So Jim goes to run outside to see what's going on. And eventually Sheriff James and Deputy Boyle show up and tell Jim they were notified about a possible home intrusion. Jim lets them in to speak to Randy about what she saw. Jim also finds out that David, his neighbor, is actually the mayor of Auburn. And he's like, well, goddamn, fun fact right now. And Sheriff James talks <laughs> up to a coyote and tells Jim to get a gun for protection. Luckily, Jim has a rifle. Kyle. Jim asks if they'll go to David's house, and that's a hard pass. We're not going to bother the mayor with this. It's fine. <laughs> let's just let's just keep it rolling, guys. <laughs> Nothing happening. You know, of course, Sheriff James is at the original murder scene that we saw earlier in the movie, but he makes no mention of that. Um, the next day, this cruelly related by blood family, they're not, uh, walks around just talking <laughs> about things, going to get coffee, um, and Jim runs into David. They talk about the events from the night before and come to the conclusion that Randy exaggerated what she saw. David then invites Jim out to have drinks with himself and his wife, and then we cut back to the coffee shop where teen horn dogs Miles and Matt meet Randy and Stacy. They introduce themselves oh, yeah. to the girls, and I guess all goes well. And that night, Jim puts his rifle into the same cabinet in the office from earlier, and after a small argument with Randy about her little green dress, Jim leaves and Stacy tries liquor for the first time, does not like it. Just spits it back up. And I'm like, Come, that's scotch, dude. Like, enjoy it. Spitting <laughs> up in your glass. You're clearly 35 years old. You probably had scotch by now. Again, I don't know why they're doing this because, again, when we get to the finale, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but yes, anyway, it does. Jim shows it, up. It, and it, when we get to the finale, all, you know, all of that makes sense. Sure. We'll talk about it. So Jim shows up at the restaurant and is greeted by David and Austin. Back at home, Stacy's all alone. Through multiple room cameras, we see a door slam in Stacy's room. She reacts to the sound and goes off to investigate. 
Upstairs, Stacy thinks someone's in her room. She runs downstairs just as Matt arrives with Randy. Matt runs to his car, gets a bat, and clears the house of any possible intruders. Meanwhile, Jim and Austin are having a quick, heavy makeout sesh. They just decided it's time to hook up. So they're going to have a little bit of fun, as we see. Um, and then we cut back to Matt and Randy attempt to calm Stacy down because she's convinced somebody was in her room. As Stacy goes to look at the security cameras, Jim is getting his fuck on with the hot realtor Austin. And after they have off-screen sex, Jim returns home and is shown security cam footage by Randy of the door moving. Stacy once again gets out of bed in a possessed state. Jim finds her in the hallway. She drops to her knees screaming with knowledge of the incident that just happened. Stacy thinks that the house is haunted, but Jim's like, now nah, though, right? Anyway, Stacy decides to go with Randy to Matt's house, and Randy remarks chicks before dicks to her dad. They're not a family. <laughs> if I had a daughter... And if she ever told me chicks before dicks, I'd be like, go to your room. <laughs> and give me your cell phone. Too. You're, not, you're not having any. <laughs> and Jim's like, making a wow, good okay. shower. <laughs> See how clean you are. So later while sunbathing and drinking, Miles brings up the neighborhood kid, Cody. Before he can tell the story, Matt tells him that there's nothing of the story to tell, just some kid that caused some shit in the neighborhood. That night, Stacy wakes up and proceeds to stand in place before heading through the hallway and going into the office as cabinet doors fly open and close. Stacy then walks back, and Randy's bedroom is opening and closing her door. Randy is startled awake as her door slams shut. She screams. Jim hears her and runs to her. They both go looking for Stacy, where Randy finds her in the office. Stacy begins to scream and is comforted by Randy. So... Maybe there's a possession angle going on, or maybe they're collecting weird shit. So Jim takes the footage to share with James, who tells Jim that his daughter is a sleepwalker, and maybe he needs to take her to a physician. Jim already did that, and he was told his daughter could be a sleepwalker. Jim tries to tell Sheriff James that strange things are happening in the house and asks the man about a kid named Cody. The sheriff breezes past this question as Jim tells him that there's something strange going on in his house, and then Sheriff James is like, what do you want me to do? What do you expect me to do about your haunted house? And then we get no resolution. We just have to cut. <laughs> we have to end that conversation because we have later Stacy and Randy are hanging out poolside with Matt and Miles. Stacy, for some reason, can't find anything about the hauntings in the area on Google. Stacy asks once more about Cody. Matt has no interest in talking about him, but Randy tosses him a little I, sexy I, look and. He, yeah, yeah, until she starts yeah. to like bounce a little bit, and she's, and then he's like, "Okay, what do you want to know?" <laughs> and he yeah. starts telling everything. <laughs> she's like, "How about I suck that oh. dick?" And he's like, "I'll tell you everything I know about everything. Uh-huh. I don't care what it is. I don't. <laughs> yep, I will tell you who killed Kennedy. I'll tell you about fucking aliens. Like, just suck that dick." And she's like, "Okay, yeah. you, want, you want to know about the grassy knoll? I was there." <laughs> <laughs> Like, I will literally tell you about everything. Just fucking suck my dick so bad, please. And she's like, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Like, it's going to be fine. I so, be happy seeing this. Uh, I don't even need him to go down on me at this point. I just want to see the titties. You know, and... and the closest we uh, get again, are like, and, and, and we don't really see them. You see them through the bra. Yeah. Yep, you see the nets of the bra, well, but... Again, but, but and you, you do have the shower yeah. scene. 
you, we do have the shower scene where it's like you get yeah, a huge glass and you get inside that. It's, it's not great. The frosted too. glass. That ain't real. No. And and that's what I kept thinking about, too, is that I, I watched it on YouTube with ads, and it kept saying unrated. And I was like, what the fuck is unrated about this fucking movie? Everybody's wearing bras. Like, nobody's showing fucking tits. Like, yeah, I think, I think unrated is the only way this movie actually is like released. <laughs> I think it was just never shown. I don't think it was ever shown before the film board, so they never actually gave the movie a rating. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, uh, Matt tells them about Cody, and he was a fucked up kid, and did some shit. So, anyway, Randy and Matt decide to go upstairs and dry hump in her room, while Stacy plays billiards with Miles. While Randy and Matt are getting hot and heavy, the bedroom door moves by itself. Oh, shit. Downstairs, Stacy and Miles are kissing as we see a dark figure walk across the doorway in the background. What the fuck was that? Like, they... <laughs> well, we get to the twist. I know we'll get to it. But they never bring that up. Like, like who the fuck was that? But no, we'll never find out. Like, we'll never find out. And that's one of the things like, I kept thinking about last night. As I was going to bed, I'm like, wait a second. There was a dark figure in the hallway. We saw it, but they never go back to it. It's done. Um, so Stacy and Miles are kissing. Miles notices one of the billiard balls move by itself, but don't worry. We could just make out. Again, my Miles, you're a big part of this fucking equation. You saw shit move by itself. There's obviously something going on, but again, we'll get there. <laughs> As Randy's upstairs giving Matt the ride of his fucking lifetime, a chair moves by itself as well by the door. Matt is pissed thinking that Miles is pranking him. He isn't. He's downstairs getting his fucking makeout on with fucking Stacy. And he's like, I know you're fucking around with me, man. He's like, dude, I've been down here the entire time. We were just making out when you came down. How am I doing anything? I don't know. But just a fucking weird shit going on. And that's when Jim arrives home with Stacy saying in her house is haunted. Everyone begins talking at once, and finally Jim gets a story about Cody. Jim doesn't believe it because Austin would have told him about the house being a murder house. Jim then explains to both of his daughters that he signed disclosure papers and no one was murdered in the house because we have seen it on the paperwork. It's the fucking cheesiest fucking acted scene in this fucking movie. Uh, disclosure, girls. Disclosure. Have you ever heard about it? Yeah. Look at these papers I signed that said nothing happened here. And they're like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I buy that. <laughs> so it's a lifetime movie fucking acting. It's just, I, I couldn't stop laughing. The fact that he kept saying disclosure the entire time. I'm like, take a drink. Every time Jim says disclosure, he'll be fucked up. Um, so later that night, while watching TV, Jim notices a kitchen cabinet door move on its own. He checks it out and turns around and sees Stacy screaming. But it was all a dream. Oh, sorry, Vicky. Not in this movie. I'm going to save you from this one. Rest in peace, sir. Um, so the next day, David confronts Jim about seeing Deputy Boyle's car in his driveway the night before. David recommends that he unwinds alone and let Jim and his family move on. Jim tells him to go fuck himself. And that's when Jim decides he's going to go pay Austin a visit and ask about Cody Harding. She tells him that it happened in Francisco Oaks and not in his house. And then Austin suggests that Stacy's faking everything that's been happening. He's like, come on, no way. Like, my daughter, my daughter, that's clearly my blood daughter, would never lie to me. Austin tells him he's out of his fucking mind. She isn't hiding anything. 
Jim asks her again about the house. She tells him to get the fuck out and slaps him. And, of course, this is when you have that hot sex. But we, we don't. Because <laughs> they just make it. That, that the dean can attest. That this is how it's done sometimes. You know, we we had quite yes, a, a nice I agree. <laughs> you know, sometimes that <laughs> is a much much needed thing. You get that yeah. argument going, and you're like, uh, you just get fucking so horned up that you fuck. But Can't argue with that. In this movie, <clears throat> yeah, in this PG like, yeah. movie, <laughs> yeah, in this fucking PG movie, we don't get that. We just get the after effect. <laughs> so come on, toss me a bone. Let her rip her shirt off, and she's going to be like, you want these? He's going to be like, Daddy wants. Like, yep, I like this movie. It's unrated. It's on YouTube. No, this is like the, <laughs> the kid's cut. You know, where it's like fucking Ned Campbell and Scream. She's like, hey, Billy, do you want to have a PG-13 relationship? And he's like, hell yeah. And she flashes him, and he's like, oh, God. But you don't see her tits <laughs> in a rated R movie. Nope. <clears throat> you just see her off-screen flash. And I'm like, yep, this is how I felt. <clears throat> So that night, Stacy and Landy arrived to an empty house, so they decided to camp out in the living room so they could be together in case anything happens. And back at Austin's, post-sex, Jim decides to use the bathroom as the girls are still back at home and asleep. We hear some noises and see Stacy once again get up and walk around the house. She enters the office as Randy wakes up and searches for Stacy as Jim gets stressed and heads back home. I can't believe I left them alone. I'm crazy, right? This is not going to play at all into the movie at the end. Anyway, got to go. And she's like, that's awesome. So back at home, Stacy is apparently arming herself with Jim's rifle and getting ready to shoot at her sister. So she's got a whole fucking Ronnie, you know, Fayo thing going on. Jim arrives at home as Stacy heads downstairs, aiming the rifle at the door as Randy screams for her dad. As Jim enters, Randy pushes Daddy. him out of the way as Stacy fires. Bang! <laughs> and he falls to the floor oh. as Randy runs outside. Randy's like, I'm going to fuck out of here. <laughs> she just fucking takes off. I just, I love seeing the cam footage of her being like, oh, shit, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And she runs. I just so, love the fact that it was like point blank, and he looks like he clearly got shot as he falls to the side. But yeah, I guess it's more like he, he just falls and, and kind of faints. <laughs> See, yeah, I, I like, thought, you know, at first yeah. he had gotten shot as well, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought he got hit in the shoulder at least. Like, I thought, like, that's yeah, a shoulder shot. Yeah, arm you shot, know, you know, some, some kind of wound. Like, yeah. killing shot. But, oh, no, it's definitely a wound. It's a, He got winged, and that's what happened. But, like, he falls to the ground, and, and Randy's like, I'm the fuck out of here, and she runs out. Um, and you think, okay, well, he's slowly getting up. He's trying to gain his ground. <laughs> so once once Randy's outside, we see Stacy walking backwards up the stairs and up to her room. She screams as she falls into her bed, and the dresser is pushed against the bedroom door. Jim has no fucking problem pushing past this door and opening it up so he can carry her downstairs. Jim lays her down and opens the door to a bright light as we see Stacy getting dragged away. Randy then appears in the doorway as Jim scoops her up and they flee the fucking house like. I, I had to rewind it because I was so fucking confused as to what was fucking happening. <laughs> I was like, why is there a fucking UFO light outside? Like, why is there a bright light? And then all of a sudden, Randy, I'm like, is that Randy? I was like, what is she doing? And then all of a sudden, you see Stacy getting dragged away. And then Jim runs out of frame, grabs her, picks her up, and they both run out of the house. I'm like, okay, that happened a lot. So I had to rewind it just to make sure. 
Because even when she started walking up the stairs backwards, I'm like, is that her? Or is that a ghost? It's like, it's so fucking confusing, like the way that they try to set all this up. And you'll find out why. It's something. Um, it, it, it's, it's something it to watch. So we later see Jim is comforting the girls as they speak to Sheriff James. We then cut to six months later, and there's a meeting occurring where it seems like it's Jim versus Austin and the town's bank. Jim's lawyer contends that paranormal things went down there. Austin's lawyer says they aren't denying that anything happened paranormal, but they want proof of wrongdoing on behalf of the bank. And that's when Jim's lawyer is like, oh, yeah? Bam! Guess what I got? Boom! Video. And he plays the video for them, and it was sent to Jim anonymously two or three days ago, and it's security cam footage of Cody killing his family. Austin's like, oh, fuck. Probably should not have that footage like that. So the lawyers for Austin and the bank cut a deal with Jim, and his lawyer says add a zero to that fucking offer. And that's when we see later outside of that building, Austin tries to make amends with Jim, but he's out of there, baby. He's like, I'm done. This whole town could go fuck itself. I'm ready just to go home. But we're not going home to anywhere except for Vegas, baby, Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Like, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. interesting. We're in Vegas. Like, I was like, okay. So we see in a hotel room, Jim appears with bags of cash as Randy appears in the doorway in a bra and panties. Hey, Daddy. I was like, what? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Like, I looked at the time of this movie, because this movie's an hour and 25 minutes, right? Like, I'm looking at the time when they had that scene outside of the courthouse. I'm like, okay, like, we have, like, 10 minutes left. What the fuck else are they going to do? I was like, this movie's done. Like, Jim's going to take his fucking quote-unquote daughters and move somewhere else. And then we cut to Vegas, and I'm like, okay, all right, maybe they're just in a hotel. But when Randy appears on the front page, he's like, hi, Daddy. I'm like, no, don't do this. Don't do this to me, man. Oh, don't <laughs> fucking do it. Like, <laughs> don't, don't. We have minutes left in this movie. We have like less than 10 minutes. Do not fucking do this. And, of course, they do. And he's like, okay, so Randy, Stacey, and Jim are con artists. And this twist happens, and I put in my notes, in the closing fucking moments. Like, it's not like 20 minutes left of the movie. No, it's like literally just like 10 minutes left. Um, so Randy and Jim decide to fuck on top of a million dollars, and that's when there's a, doc on, a knock on the door, and Stacy arrives with champagne to celebrate. She's like, we fucking did it. And I was like, oh, no. This isn't a horror movie anymore. This is just a crime movie. I got the tricked. <laughs> I got tricked. You, like, I got tricked. I was like, this is a fucking crime movie. Uh, so she decides to arrive with the, uh, the champagne to celebrate. Uh, and then we get the reveal about how Jim heard about the house in the first place because he happened to be sitting at a table right next to Austin and her assistant wearing a baseball cap so he could disguise how he looks because that's how they do it in every fucking spy movie. If you put on a baseball cap, no one's going to know what you look like. You're invisible. Like, you could just sit and listen to any conversation that's happening. And that's when we find out that he listened about the house and how 
Austin want to unload the house. She's like, I don't give a fuck about it. She's like, I'll just hide the fact that there was murders in here. Like, I just have to get it off the market and I have to sell it. So Jim's like, all right, like, let's fucking go. Like, that's what I'm going to have to do. It. So we get that reveal. And then, of course, after they have sex, Randy's like, oh, yeah, the fuck, the, the realtor, uh, was it good? And he's like, hell yeah, just kidding. I'm like, no, don't kid about that. I was like, she was probably great. <laughs> you know, not saying that Randy isn't good, but you know what? Uh, oh, my God, I had to have sex with a hot lady. My life sucks. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jim. So we get this reveal, and then we see how they set up the scare tactics. Like, they, they, they set up the footage, so they're running around the house screaming, and things are moving around. It's just when you, you should not think about this movie after it's done. You shouldn't, well, because whole, it's going to give you a headache. Because it's very it much make wild sense. things, if you think about it. You know, bring the, you yeah, bring up that Campbell. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's very yeah. much wild things, just with worse actors. It it, but at least with and wild things, that. like everything kind of worked in that movie. <laughs> like it's a, it that plot of that movie worked for me. This movie, they're trying to set up the house being paranormal, so they're going to settle for an undisclosed amount. And they're like, yeah, we did it. We gripped all these people. It's like, yeah, but there was moments in the movie where they're having dialogue that had nothing to do with the rest of what their grip was. Like with Jim going, well, there's no such thing as ghosts. Like, that's not being filmed by the cameras. Like, you're just fucking adding dialogue in this movie where they're talking about ghosts. And, like, well, you don't know where the cameras are. So, so here's what they, they I were, think with that. I think you have to look at this ahead. movie as if it's, it's Jim – and the lawyers in that scene, and he's explaining everything that was going down in the house. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. so basically, mm-hmm. when, when everything pans out, we're cutting in as if he's been telling us the story the whole time, as if we're the lawyers sitting in there. You know what I mean? You know what? If they had shown that, I would have actually been appreciative of it. Like, if they had shown me that, like, every fucking line of dialogue he had in the house that's not a part of the security footage is a part of this grift that he's explaining to the lawyer. I was like, you know what, that's pretty fucking good. But they didn't. So when I think no, back about him, like, well, there, there was so many things that don't make fucking any sense. That's a part of the grift. <laughs> like, when they're talking about ghosts and he's confused about what a beach toad is and how he has no idea what Netflix and chill is. Like yes, you monkey. Do. Yeah, you do. Monkey, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry, I did. I did cut in when you were talking. <laughs> yes, you did. But it's cool. But yeah, I am completely agreeing with you, or agreeing with you, Ghoul. It's like yes, everything that they were going on and whatnot is yeah, just for the act. They're putting on one one big show that was all covered with security cameras. All showing that all this paranormal activity shit is fucking bullshit. All the fucking ghost show stuff is all fucking bullshit. And, you know, it's just one big fucking act. Anybody can pull it off. Here, look, we did it too. Okay? But, yeah. Also, odds are, though, when they're going around town and whatnot, you know, they, you, they also have to put on the act for anyone that's, you know, possibly listening in while they're walking around town. So the whole, you know, you're bitching about the whole Netflix and chill thing. You have to do this because you don't know, you don't know if it's classmates, you know, or other people that are hanging around and whatnot. Because again, the whole town, everybody talks, you know, everybody's talking to the, you know, the boards and shit like that, you know, 
and but like, definitely the fucking mayor and the sheriff and stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Go all ahead, of those dude. things, you know, all of those mm-hmm. things are correct because there are certainly times when they're like having conversations amongst themselves, like this is something that's really going on, and like no one else is listening in, but they never drop right. the front. And I guess. Like, it makes sense because no. if they want as much of this captured, if they have their security cameras running around the clock, then yes, these conversations mm. that they're having about these horrible occurrences are on camera as, as they're keeping, uh, keeping up the facade. Now, the thing that's fucking bizarre, right, is that they, they start you with this introduction, this, uh, oh, the number of the beast is mistaken. It's, it's actually Right, of course. Now, here's the thing. From the beginning yeah. of the movie, like I said, like I don't, I didn't know exactly what the angle was, but I was like, this is not an actual family. Even when they show the the the, the mom, I agree. you know, like dying yeah. in the bed, yeah. the way the two <clears throat> girls in the beginning like approach and sit down on the bed next to her, like it just didn't look real. And part of me is like, well, this mm-hmm. is just shitty acting. But on the other side, it's like, well, these are people that really don't really care about each other, really, at the end of the day. And, you know, so now we have the history of the house, we have the number of the beast thing, we have these weird people that are moving in, and I can't remember which segment that it was, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but in one of the sequences when we were watching the action through the video cameras, when it was at night Mm -hmm. and dark in the house, and the camera was the one where it was like looking down at like the couch and you can see the kitchen and the counter behind it in one of the chairs truly. And I would have to go back and look and I really don't want to. It really did look like there was a <laughs> demonic figure sitting in one of the chairs. Yes. Um, yep. I don't know if anyone I else saw, saw that. that, but I saw that and I was like, yep. what the fuck? There's, there's something there. So maybe there is something like this going on in the film. Cause, cause that looks like something for real. Um, and you know, then you know, all of this happens. All right, so now it's a, now it's just a fucking scam, and these are opportunists that are looking for marks, and they found their mark, and they're gonna they're gonna make their money by by the disclosure thing because you know once we saw that stuff and they had the sequence where he bought the house, I'm like, all right, well she's not telling him what happened. Like there's disclosure this disclosure laws in California, you have to tell that shit. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and here's another thing I do want to ask when when. When, when, the, when the second reveal happens and they show the blonde in bed, uh, you know, they're, they're back to the bed with the, with the dying, you know, quote unquote mom. And she says, right. um, you know, she says, you have to kill them. You have to kill them before they kill you. Like, the, did, did she say it? Did her mouth move? Or are they just indicating that this was something that she was told? Because the other girl was sitting right there. You know? Yeah, she would have heard it. She would have heard it. Oh, no, I, yeah. I assume she yeah. just whispered it really low in her ear, you know? Yeah. Right, yeah. right. With the, other the one sitting, right her, with the other one sitting seven inches from her <clears> mouth, <throat> right. But, yeah, that, that whole that whole troll so that I talked about at the beginning you know, of the movie. She didn't hear her. Yeah. So, yeah, that whole fucking thing at the beginning of the movie makes no sense. Like, it shouldn't even have been in the movie. Like, it... <laughs> Oh well, six six six. It's actually six one six. Like Nick David and Gene Satanists, and I would have been like, okay, it works. No, You're talking about well, the yeah, devil. That's, no, no, that's because the thing, the, like, it's what Paul said. You got gripped. The whole too. entire movie gripped at us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it did. Like yeah, so King um, like we just saying, pissed off because it wasn't actually satanic, and he got gripped too. He's all pissed off, <laughs> going, "Fuck, it's a con movie. It's not a horror movie at all." This is bullshit. It's not at all. And that's, yeah, I was mad. I was like, because they, they presented David and Gene, maybe even Austin, as that could be a, a satanic cabal, but they didn't do that. 
<clears throat> instead it becomes a, a Griff movie. Because um, that's but what as you were said, expecting. And, you know, yeah. you got taken just like everybody else in this movie. I thought it was great. And there's so many. <laughs> it's just, it's stupid. Like, I was like, how do you explain the fucking dark figure walking in the hallway by itself? That's not Randy. That's not Stacy. It's definitely not Jim. But they never go back to it. They're just, and uh, like the demon oh, said, there's yeah. a dark figure sitting in one of the chairs. They're like, well, whatever. <laughs> We're grifting people. Maybe the house is actually haunted. We don't know. But as they're discussing their grift, uh, we have Randy and Jim. They're going to go off and cruise in Europe. And Stacy's going to go back to the city. And she's like, all right, guys, I'm out of here. She pulls off to the side of the road after crossing a bridge. And she's talking to Robin, their, the greatest grifter that they've ever met, the quote-unquote mom. And she's like, you know, I promise I'll come back and see you. Uh, but I got to get out of here. And like the dean had said, when she drives away, she has all the bags of money. Then we cut back to the hotel room, and Jim and Randy are dead after being poisoned with the champagne that Stacy brought because Robin told Stacy, kill them before they kill you. And that's yeah. how we end the fucking movie. And I'm like, oh, double twist. Well, okay. And like Shyamalan over here fucking making two twists in the fucking movie. You know, it's like, yeah, it's just, <laughs> they, they grifted us. The whole movie is a grift. <laughs> the whole movie is a scam. You know, I, I remember watching the credits and I'm like, this was not a horror movie. <laughs> this was a crime movie. That, like, they, I, I can get it with some of the effects. Like, okay, we can make a door move by itself by filament wire. And we can put it in the security cameras and be like, wow. But there were some things that happened where it's, there's no explanation. So, again, like the whole opening and just, yeah, it was fucking bizarre. <laughs> You know, that's why I said I, I don't hate it. I don't like it. I just was confused. I was like, okay. Like, I even read the fucking comments on YouTube where people were like, oh, my God, the movie was so boring until the last 10 minutes, and wow, what a twist. I'm like, was it, though? <laughs> was it, it a wasn't twist? wasn't, really. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> and they're like, <clears throat> people were saying the same thing. They're like, wow, 75 minutes of nothing and then 10 minutes of greatness. Like, eh, Y'all got to see <laughs> So, again, this is listed, just so you know, on Amazon Prime. It is listed as a horror movie as well. So, like, they, they, yeah, they no, really do wrong. go all out to, like, to, to really grift you yeah, on it. You know, it's not uh, – <laughs> so, so just, it just was, it wasn't just me on this. You know, I really did think we were watching a horror movie. Um, and for those yeah, people and amazed by it. Yeah, YouTube says it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they so, the on YouTube says it's a paranormal cross. movie with crime. Yeah, so and, like they, uh, they I just know the team it, knows that movie, yeah. and that that's got some great grifting and sex in it. So, which one? Yeah, Double Cross. Double Cross. Yeah, yeah, Double Cross is actually very Double Cross. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. um, that's actually a good movie. Um, yeah, it's like even on YouTube, the description's like, "Oh, it's a paranormal movie based on true events with a crime twist." And I'm like, it's not. <laughs> it's just oh, like you know, it's you know, fine guys. You, great job, but it's at the same time, just, it's a, a weird bill of sales. Like I you can't call this movie a horror movie. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's a, a, a grift movie. Um, you know, it's just, you, you're, you just pissed off cause it, you're, you're just pissed off because it got you, man. <laughs> That's why you're mad. <laughs> oh, I completely agree. I, I, monkey, you're completely right. It got me because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I'm like, okay, it's a paranormal possession movie. All right, all right, I could deal with this. And then the fucking twist happened. I'm like, all right, no. <laughs> I'm like, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Like, I watched this movie. <laughs> like, you know, I was so mad. 
because I was trying to think about things that happened in the movie. I'm like, all right, well, it's fine. Like, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. Like, it's, it's one of those movies that, you know, it presents itself as one thing, and then it's like, gotcha. It's, you know, you're not M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> At least M. Night Shyamalan tries. Like, this movie is, like, clearly does you see know, what's going to happen. Did you see Knock at the Cabin? I mean, does he really? I haven't yet, but I don't know. So, <laughs> you know, he, he got me with the village. <laughs> and even that was a bad fucking ending. But anyway, that was 616 Wilfred Blaine. Next week, uh, Dean, it is your turn to make the film pick of the week. What are you talking about next week? It is my turn to make the film pick of the week next week. And I'm going to tell you what we are. That is my responsibility at this portion of the program. And next week, and I love we it. are going to um, we're going to take a trip uh, to. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, we are going to take a trip uh, to Japan, and from oh. 2019, oh. Uh, we are going to be watching a film oh, called are. Signal 100. Signal 100. It is on Screenbox. Um, and oh, it, which is I do also, it is <laughs> also... Oh, this is the Canadian. Um, let's see. And it is it, also... It, it, oh. <laughs> Since the second, uh, since watching uh, Terrifier 2, I have still yet to log in again to Screenbox <laughs> you know, to see if there's anything well, on it. Now you have a reason. So. 24 bucks for the year, you really can't beat it. You know what I mean? Really, is it, is it, isn't that terrible? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I don't. I think that's good. I just haven't checked it out yet, so maybe. Yes, I I did spend some time perusing the Screenbox catalog, and while it is not a very extensive catalog, there are uh, there are there is some there is definitely uh, you know some some good. Uh, so it is available on 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 uh, Screenbox. It is also available as a four dollar and ninety nine cent rental on Prime. Um, and I'm sure it's probably available on like YouTube rental and all the other places uh, that you can Monkey see no your, your films. Right. So we will talk about it'll, Signal it'll 100. Monkey, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Monkey, and I, Monkey and I have our own box where we find movies. So oh, wow. We will talk okay, about you just Signal made that 100. Sound weird. <laughs> That's right. Well, I love your box. So... We will we will talk about Signal 100 next week on the show. That'll be the new pick. So anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Dean, tonight for 616 Wolford Lane. We'll see you back here next week. Yay. All right. I'll show you like my monkey box. <laughs> All right. Monkey, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself out? All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and letting me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. Mwah. <laughs> All right, cool. Why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off? Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. <laughs> and as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. Hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous. 
get murder strong, watch horror movies, and also, by the way, remember what the monkey said last week, women, they can't do science. So, uh, all the fun of that thing. Women need to stay in the kitchen and make us sandwiches and definitely don't do science, as we've learned from the mad monkey. You know what? That is my quote of the screw year. You, screw you guys. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going to put it on a T-shirt, and I'll gladly fucking wear that. So anyway. Come here and lick my monkey box, you stupid bitch. <laughs> so we'll see you back here next week for Signal 100. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next time.